Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the real health benefits you can get from a helper's high when you volunteer. Then, you'll learn about the story of a very special mountain lion named P-22 and how he inspired a campaign to build the world's largest wildlife crossing. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Do you get a jolt of pleasure when you find the perfect gift for someone, volunteer your time, or donate money to charity? That's what you might call a helper's high, and research suggests that it comes with significant health benefits. Turns out it really might be better to give than to receive. Over the past few decades, scientists have studied the health benefits of selflessness. They've found that those who volunteer tend to have lower rates of depression, lower mortality rates, higher self-esteem, and greater functional ability than those who don't volunteer. A 2005 study even found that volunteers actually experience greater benefits than the people receiving their support. Turns out, when we give to others selflessly, not expecting anything in return, we get something in return anyway. Our brains release dopamine, serotonin, and other happy hormones. What's more, research suggests that human brains are actually hardwired for empathy and generosity. Our brains contain mirror neurons that activate with the behavior of others. They allow us to better understand other people's actions, intentions, and feelings, almost as if we can experience those things firsthand. So how do mirror neurons play into giving? Well, the more we vicariously experience the states of others, the more we're inclined to treat them like we'd want to be treated. So if you want to improve your generosity, you may want to work on putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Considering the health benefits of altruism, even if you're not really the giving type, science says you should give it a shot. You'll not only be helping someone else, you'll be helping yourself too. There's a massive public-private partnership going on right now to save cougars and other wildlife. And it's not happening out on a savanna or in a jungle. It's happening in Los Angeles, like in the middle of Los Angeles. I'm talking about the Save LA Cougars campaign and plans to create the Liberty Canyon Wildlife Crossing. It would be the largest wildlife crossing in the world. And today you're going to hear how this whole thing got started. Our guest today is Beth Pratt. California Regional Executive Director for the National Wildlife Federation and leader of the Save LA Cougars campaign. And she says this all started with a mountain lion named P-22. P-22, for those who don't know him, he is, uh, I, I like to say he's the Brad Pitt of the cougar world. He's a very handsome mountain lion, beloved by people all over the world, and also like Brad Pitt, a bachelor, that many care about his love life and want him to be happy. <laughs> so he is this amazing mountain lion who grew up in the uh, Santa Monica Mountains. If, if you're not familiar with the Santa Monica Mountains, it's uh, sort of west of L.A., uh, above Malibu. Maybe that's the best way to, to put it if you, you know, sort of go north from Malibu. And it's a, it's a, you know, even though it's still pretty densely populated, you have a lot of nice open space in the Santa Monica Mountains, you know, a lot of great hiking and and place for wildlife. But mountain lions are extremely territory needy and they live alone um, and they will fight to the death over territory. So P-22 sort of had a nice, you know, California casual upbringing. But then when he gets about one or two, uh, like all other mountain lions, he has to leave and find a new home or else he faces death from the dominant male in his area. Uh, so for most mountain lions, you know, that's not a big deal. But if you live uh, in the Santa Monica Mountains, in the middle of one of the most densely populated areas in the country, finding a new home is not easy. Mountain lions have, you know, average male mountain lion territory, about 200 square miles. So 
he didn't have a lot of choices, and he decided to march right into the middle of L.A., march straight east, uh, following, you know, uh, sort of the last rudimentary green uh, that was left that literally narrowed down to like 10 feet in areas, and found a home in Griffith Park, which, again, if you're not familiar with L.A., is in the middle of L.A. We are not talking the outskirts. It's where the Hollywood sign is. It's where the Griffith Observatory is. If you watch the movie La La Land, that's, you know, a lot of those scenes were filmed in Griffith Park. Uh, You get 10 million visitors a year. Brad Pitt lives on the border of Griffith Park, right? It is surrounded by mansions and houses. This is not at all a... um, you know, a wilderness reserve. And he made it and he has been there since 2012 and is really an example of, you know, that coexistence is possible. And he's made nary a threatening move to any of the uh, people who uh, use Griffith Park. I can't say he never, that he won't attack a human. He's a wild animal, but I think he's, you know, he's shown that coexistence is really possible. Um, But what he's also become the poster child for is that he's also trapped, right? He's the only male mountain lion in science that they've ever documented doing this. He stayed put. Griffith Park is eight square miles. Average male mountain lion territory is 200. You know, what a mountain lion typically does is he kills a deer, dines on it for a week, and then moves 10 or 20 miles to the next deer. They use all of their territory. They're not like, you know, African lions where they have a den. or They use their entire 100 to 200 square miles and rove most of the time. So P-22 has been in eight square miles. It's the smallest known home range ever recorded for a male mountain lion uh, since 2012. Uh, But perhaps not surprisingly, he's surrounded by freeways. I'm sure he came to terms with, well, I'm not going back those again. You know, I probably won't make it. Indeed, most of his kin don't. He is the one of the lucky or smart ones. Uh, we just lost P61, one of the cats in the study, right on the 405 where P22 likely crossed. So he's probably come to terms with, I'm not going back against those freeways. There's kind of plenty of deer here, and hey, bachelorhood isn't all that bad. So, um, so he's sort of stayed in Griffith Park. He's quite a remarkable animal. Beth told us that P22 has become a major conversation changer People are starting to come around to the idea of letting wildlife exist in urban areas and trying to figure out how to do that in a way that's safe for everybody, including the animals. Unfortunately, car accidents are just the tip of the iceberg of problems for animals like P-22. Mountain lions are getting hit by cars, but the, the deeper problem is they are becoming genetically unviable because they're isolated and they can't get dates outside their family because they keep getting killed trying. So specifically what's happening in this area to these cats, and we're seeing it play out throughout California in these urbanized areas, it's starting to become an issue. Mountain lions in California are not overall Uh, threatened or endangered for the most part, although there's never been a statewide study. The assumption is they're doing pretty well, except for these areas that are creating genetic islands. And California Department of Fish and Wildlife just commissioned this study statewide on mountain lions. One of the first things they did, and um, it's a great map if you look it up, is they mapped out using studies across the state all the genetic clusters of mountain lions. And in a lot of areas, especially where I live, you have huge, you know, thousands of square miles of genetic diversity. But you look at these urban centers that are hemmed in by freeways and development, and they're little dots on this map of, of you know, again, just these guys are becoming genetically distinct from the other populations. So much so, again, they are collapsing 
to the point where almost to the low point of the Florida panther, which, as we know, was on the verge of extinction. So so it's that they're getting hit. But more than just the obvious, you know, the the awfulness of, of mountain lions getting killed, they also just cannot, you know, new mountain lions cannot get into some of these areas to bring the genetic material needed to to create a sustained population, so much so the National Park Service research has shown us that if we don't do something, they have 50 years at best. And that's at best. And that's just from genetic collapse. Um, That does not include if a mountain lion gets hit by a car or poisoned by rat poison, because we're not talking about a lot of cats. Mountain lions uh, do not live together. They fight to the death sometimes over territory, and they have enormous territories, like 100 to, to 200 square miles. So, you know, you're talking like 10 cats, right? So, one or two gets hit by a car in one year, and we've we lost four last year. Uh, that could be game over much quicker if, again, new mountain lions can't get in to even, you know, just provide breeding alone. Never mind genetic material. Again, Beth Pratt is the California Regional Executive Director for the National Wildlife Federation and leader of the Save LA Cougars campaign to build the Liberty Canyon Wildlife Crossing. Now that you've learned about P22's problems, you can come back tomorrow to hear Beth talk about the incredible solutions. Let's recap what we learned today. Well, people who volunteer show lower rates of depression. And when we volunteer, our brains release dopamine, serotonin, and other happy hormones. Pretty compelling reason to volunteer. It is. So when when this pandemic hit, I started searching all around for local volunteering opportunities and, and things you can do. And there are a few things that I've found to be pretty easy ways to help. One, you can just give money. I particularly like the charity Give Directly because it follows an evidence-based approach to giving where you actually just give money directly to the people who need it so that they can decide what to do with it. Number two is just Googling around for like volunteering opportunities in your neighborhood because chances are that people around you have already started some community organization to maybe call elderly people and make sure they're okay, deliver food, just check in on each other, you know. And number three, which some people at our work are getting really involved in, is making face masks. You know, we've all heard the horror stories about health workers running out of surgical masks and uh, N95 respirators. And uh, there is some evidence to suggest that while it's not as good as the real thing, making cloth masks can be pretty effective. So if you're good with a sewing machine, there are a lot of efforts out there to make face masks for healthcare workers. And since so many of the pandemic relief efforts across the world are so localized, we're not going to have a bunch of links in today's show notes because, like, there's a lot of areas, right, that need to be served. But we do encourage you to get involved in your community, see what opportunities there are, because there very likely are, and maybe it'll make you feel better. Because, again, volunteering is a good thing for you and your health and, of course, the people you're helping. And we also learned that urban wildlife is facing a lot of challenges, Roads are cutting off ecosystems and creating genetic islands for these animals. So it's important to build wildlife crossings to help maintain their populations and maintain biodiversity. Yeah, we talked to Beth for a really long time. She had so many anecdotes we didn't have time to include. But apparently P-22 is named that way for it stands for Puma. And then number 22, it's the 22nd animal tagged in this study of researchers in the Los Angeles area. And there have been several naming competitions to rename P-22, but P-22 kept winning. 
So they just kept that as the name. And she and some other researchers really like that because it's actually kind of a sciencey sounding name. And that gets people interested in science. So it's kind of a little byproduct as opposed to just some silly nickname. It's like, oh, huh, why do they call him P22? And then it opens the conversation. So really exciting, fun projects and some good news for animals in the Los Angeles area of all places. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I will tell you, P22 is a total celebrity in L.A. Last time I went to L.A., I talked to a bunch of science nerds and they were all they all love P22. Good times. Definitely tune in tomorrow because the actual science of the wildlife crossings themselves is really cool. Today's first story was written by Anna Todd and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.